Well, howdy, gentlemen. Very glad and honored to have you all with us at Real Men. And if you're new, this is a good night for you. We're really glad to have you. Here's how it works. My name is Mark, one of the pastors here at the church. On Sundays, I do very long, very loud uh, sermons through books of the Bible. And then on Wednesday, I get to meet with the men. And what I like to do is take a few themes from what we've been studying on Sundays and turn it into leadership lessons and lectures. Because the goal for all of you men is to be leaders. Lead yourself, God gives you a family, lead your family, God puts you in a business, lead in business. The goal is to lead in love like Christ. So what we're gonna do tonight, we're gonna talk about relationships and I'm taking the title from the old Clint Eastwood film, The Good, The Bad and The Ugly. Um, this, is a, this is a great old film. And, and what we're gonna talk about is good relationships, that's with wise people. The bad, that's with foolish people. The ugly, that's with evil people. So I'll pray and we'll jump right in and throw the notes up. Father God, thank you for an opportunity to get together with the men. God, thank you for the army that you are assembling. And Lord, as the world is falling down, we want the men to be rising up. As uh, the men are feeling beat down, we wanna build them up. Uh, God, as we live in a world where everybody thinks that uh, government is the solution, we, we think that husbands and fathers and men filled with the Holy Spirit, like Jesus Christ, that's really the answer. And so God, pray in advance for our time together and pray for us to have wisdom and courage, wisdom to move forward, courage to do so boldly and love to do so humbly in Jesus' good name, amen. amen. So we're gonna talk a little bit about relationships because we're coming into the holidays. We're already into November. How many of you holidays, a little weird? Because you got in-laws and outlaws, you married the girl, the family came as part of the deal and you're trying to figure out what to do with them, amen? Some of you guys, you're single. You're like, no, no, it's great. No, no, wait to get married. It gets more complicated. You get more people in that org chart, it gets more complicated. For some people, the holidays are really difficult. How do you navigate all of the relationships? and? Sociologists tell us that the average person interacts with between 500 and 2,500 people a year. How many of you guys are introverts, you're loners, you're, you're, you're near that 500 level? So right now, like we've tapped you out for the whole year just being here. How many of you are less, how many of you guys are the extroverts? You're like the Walmart greeter. You got most huggable in high school. I mean, you're just that guy, right? You, you do sales. Okay, so we're all on this continuum, 500 to 2,500 people we interact with a year. And they say that we devote the majority of our time and energy to five relationships, five relationships. So if you've got a wife, there you go. If you got some kids, four, there you go. If you got another kid, they're lonely. Okay, you got room for five, you got room for five. And then the question is, where do you put your money, your energy, your time into your relationships? You only have so much energy, you only have so much time, you only have so much money, you can't have that many relationships. There's a capacity issue. So the principle is be friendly with all, but be friends with a few. Some of you are very nice, you love people, you can be friendly toward all, but you can only be friends with a few. And what, one of the worst things that we always tell people, especially kids, is that you should treat all people equally, which you shouldn't, okay? And that you should treat all people the same, which you shouldn't, you shouldn't. You should treat people based upon their character and conduct. The way you treat them is contingent upon how they behave, okay? So let's say there's a guy, for example, he loves the Lord, he honors your daughter. Do you treat him the same way as a guy who hates the Lord and abuses your daughter? Nope. No, see, this is very clear for all the dads. All the dads just got tremendous clarity. They're like, nope. Pray for him, shoot him. That's what I would do. Okay, that's because we treat different people differently and they determine how we treat them based upon how they conduct themselves. 
Okay, and so what we're gonna look at is three kinds of people and six kinds of relationships. Some of you have heard parts of this talk before. The reason I'm bringing it back is number one, I'm tired and I didn't have a lot of prep time this week. And number two, um, most of you are brand new. And number three, we're heading into the holidays and you need to know this so you can spend your time and energy and money wisely. If you're married, help your wife do the same. If you have kids, help them do the same. And if you have in-laws and outlaws, help navigate all the complexities that is the holidays. So we'll deal with the first group, evil people. And all three of these categories are in Romans. So Paul talked about the ugly, the evil people. And he talked about them in Romans 1, 8 to 28 through 32. Since they did not see fit to acknowledge God. So these are people who are like on God, on Bible, on teaching me anything. They're just very stubborn and resistant. God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. So they, they don't wanna listen to God and they're gonna choose a dark path. They were filled. We're supposed to be filled with the spirit. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They're full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossipers, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. To sum it all up, they were Americans. Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. He's talking about the ugly. He's talking about people who are evil. Now there's three categories. There's evil, foolish, and wise. Very few people are wise. Most people aren't evil. Most people are foolish. Most people are foolish. And we're all foolish in one way or another. Okay, so none of us is wise in every area. And if you're the guy like, I'm wise in every area, you're evil. Uh, that's, you just jumped from, from one category to the next. Um, when it comes to evil people, if you tend to think that a lot of people that you meet are evil, you may have some brokenness or some hurt that's unhealed. But if you don't think that anybody is evil, you're naive and gullible and unbiblical. Naive, gullible, and unbiblical. So you don't wanna be naive. You also don't wanna be sort of overly pessimistic and, and skeptical of people, but you wanna be discerning, okay? And so within this, an evil person, we'll just have a conversation. Just give me some things that would indicate to you that someone is evil. What are some of the clues to be looking for? That person is evil, not just foolish making bad decisions, but actually dangerous and evil. They undermine, meaning, they find people in leadership that are building things or doing things, and they're sort of digging out the foundation underneath. They're always trying to collapse and oppose. And oftentimes these people say, I'm just trying to hold you accountable. And they'll say things like, I'm the devil's advocate. Well, that's probably not a good job. First of all, the devil already has that job. And secondly, you're on team Satan. So that's probably not the best position to be in. But sometimes they will undermine. Other ways that people can demonstrate evil behavior, things to look for. Very deceitful, meaning they're going to manipulate all of the information. They're gonna manipulate the conversation. You're like, you're not truthful, you're not honest. In fact, you will boldface lie or you will avoid details or you use everything to your advantage. That's very deceptive, okay? Other ways that we can identify someone as evil. No boundaries at all. Like, hey, your wife is my wife. Your money is my money. Your kids are my kid. There are people that they don't respect lines. So it's like, you know what? You have money, that's my money. No, it's not. Uh, you have a cute wife, I'm gonna flirt with her. No, 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 that job's taken. I already signed myself that job. Uh, that's my daughter. 
No, 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 she's my girlfriend. Oh, no, 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 no. I was here first, I will be here last. You are just a temporary diversion. That's what you are, okay? And these are people that don't, they don't understand like this is yours and this is theirs. And so they feel entitled to your wife, to your daughter, to your home, to your car, to your money, to your time, to your energy. Other things that people do that indicate evil. Sometimes it's anger, quick temper. And some guys really, they win in life by being domineering, overbearing, and it's really threatening. It's like, you do what I want or I'm gonna hurt you. You know you're when an evil person, in a relationship with an evil person, when it's always a win-lose and you, you lose, they win. I mean, it's always you win, I lose. You threaten, I obey. You punish, I suffer. That is an abusive relationship. So an evil person, the difference between an evil and a foolish person, an evil person causes harm intentionally. A foolish person does it accidentally. A foolish person say, I'm sorry, I didn't know. I wasn't paying attention. The evil person is like, no, I've been working on this for a long time. I scoped in my shop before I pulled the trigger and got you. This was not an accident. I've been laying in the weeds for a long time, waiting for my shot, and then I took it. Sometimes people that are evil or have evil tendencies, there's a brokenness or a trauma or a pain in their past, and they've not healed from it. They were sexually assaulted, abused, they were beaten, they were neglected, they were abandoned. All horrific, traumatizing life experiences, but they've not forgiven, healed up, invited the Holy Spirit in to make them new. And as a result, they feel because they were broken, they have a right to break others because they were hurt. They have a right to hurt others uh, because uh, they were damaged. They have a right to damage others. And even if you tell them, do you see what you're doing? That's really, really bad. They'll tell you, well, this is what happened to me. And then they'll blame shift and excuse pain in their past for the pain that they're causing others in their present. They can be very threatening. And ultimately with an evil person, they live by demonic powers. So. People who are evil, they live by the demonic. People who are foolish live by the flesh. People who are wise live by the spirit. If you wanna know how this works, read the book of Proverbs. It has all three of these categories, the, the good, the wise, the bad, the foolish, and the ugly, the evil. It has all of them in Proverbs. And you could even just sort of underline or highlight, there's the wise, there's the foolish, there's the evil, here they are. With an evil person, they live by the demonic. A foolish person lives by the flesh. A wise person lives by the spirit. With an evil person, you need to have a professional relationship. Meaning they can't come to your house. You can't be in business with them. They cannot date your daughter. You cannot let that guy anywhere near your wife. You just know it ain't good, it ain't safe. Okay. Ultimately that person, there needs to be a really firm boundary. And what it is with an evil person, they're not beyond help, but they're beyond your help. Some of you guys are rescuers and you're helpers. You're like, but there's always help. Yeah, but you're not the best one to help. They literally need a cop, a jail sentence, a rehabilitation center, a strong accountability group, a professional psychologist, uh, yeah, I mean, and there is, you know, one guy says a bullet, welcome to Arizona, that's always plan B. But, but, but there is a reason that we take certain people and we put them in prison because we can't trust them. And the harm that they do is not, is not meritous of the help that they bring. And so with those, you need cops, attorneys, and counselors, okay? So Jesus had a group of 12 guys he spent all of his time with. Who was the evil one? Judas. And Judas was evil. He was stealing from Jesus the whole time. But was Judas covert or overt? 
very covert. If you're watching the story, you're like, Judas doesn't make a lot of trouble or drama, doesn't draw a lot of attention to himself. And then at the very end, you're like, he's got the political leaders, he's got the religious leaders, he's got, he's got uh, you know, the, the cops involved, he's got an arrest warrant, he's got witnesses, he's got a judge for a late night sham trial. Um, he's got it all set up. And the religious and the political leaders, they never worked together until Judas architected and organized it. Question, how long do you think it took him to pull that off and pull that together? Probably months or years. He took two groups, religious and political leaders who hated each other and formed them into an unholy alliance. And then to get the witnesses and then to get the soldiers and then to get the arrest warrant and then to get the judge to open the courts after dark and then to get the execution. I mean, this was sequenced. He was covert. And the problem is sometimes with evil people, you don't know that they are evil until you're in danger. And then they're they're overt. You're like, I, I didn't know that. And sometimes it's even like, I didn't, I thought I knew this person. I don't even know this person. I don't even know who they are. I thought they were this, they were that. That's Judas. How many of you, let's just be real honest, head into the holidays, there's somebody in your extended family that is orbiting near evil. This is where it gets really hard, okay, for our, us and our families because if this person was not related to us, we would have nothing to do with them. But because they are related to us, we're not sure what to do with them. Here's what I would tell you. Do the same thing you would with anyone else who had their character. But that's your uncle, but that's the uncle who molests the kids. We're not doing Christmas with him, okay? Well, that's your grandpa. That, that's your grandpa who gets drunk and cusses everybody out in the family for Thanksgiving. Okay, so he's the mean alcoholic. Now he could say grandpa, but we say mean alcoholic, okay? And it is drawing those firm boundaries because how many of you, you tolerate things from family that you would never tolerate from anyone else? And I always tell the team here, culture is two things. This can be in a family, this can be a business, this can be in a ministry. Culture is what you teach and it's what you tolerate, okay? If what you tell your family is, hey, we're, we only try to be around, you know, we only have close personal trusting relationships with godly people, unless they're relatives. And then they get to say and do whatever they want. What you're tolerating is undermining what you're teaching. And this is really confusing when kids are young because they'll be hanging out maybe in your household or your family. And then they go be with extended family and it's completely undermining everything you've ever said. They're drunk, they're yelling at each other, they're mean to each other, they're unsafe. And, and so with that, you have the freedom, not only have the freedom, you have the responsibility if you're a husband, father, to draw healthy boundaries and lines to protect your family members, particularly your young naive children from evil or potentially evil people, even if they're family. And this is gonna deliver some of you because some of you heading into the holidays, there's just this dread, like I'm gonna have to deal with so-and-so and it's just exhausting and it ruins the whole day for me. I'm telling you, you don't have to deal with them. You can either have a clarifying conversation. There's two kinds of conversations. A clarifying conversation. Hey, this is what's gonna happen. And if it doesn't happen, you're leaving. Okay, that's clarifying. Or a closure conversation, which is we're done. This relationship is over. A clarifying conversation sets the terms. A closure conversation ends the relationship. And some of you guys who can't give up on relationship, you need to learn from the example of Jesus. With Peter, he had a clarifying conversation. Some things are gonna change. With Judas, he had a closure conversation. 
You go do what you're gonna do, we're done now. We're parting ways here. Foolish people, when it comes to foolish people, uh, here's what it says in Romans. For the invisible attributes, Romans 1, 20 through 22, namely his eternal power, divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made so that they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God nor give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking. They became foolish. Foolish, their foolish hearts were darkened, claiming to be wise, they became fools. Sometimes the people who think that they're the smartest don't understand that God isn't really that concerned about how intelligent we are. He cares about how wise we are. And we live in a culture that values intelligence. They're very smart. That doesn't mean they're very wise, right? You, you don't have to have a high IQ to be godly because that's the fruit of the spirit, not just the results of an education. How many of you have met people that are really smart and really foolish? Really intelligent, really foolish. We call this college, okay? When you go to college, you're gonna see a bunch of very smart people doing some very foolish things. You'll even see some professors who have more degrees than Fahrenheit that are saying crazy things that don't correspond to reality and they'll claim to be wise. And so what he's talking about here is wisdom is really living in accordance with God's will, according to God's word. And a couple of things about uh, foolish people, let's just be honest, are all of us foolish at certain times? So that was quick and unanimous, okay? Are all of us foolish in certain areas? Yes. So some of you are really good with your money. You're wise in finances. You don't know what to do with your wife, okay? And I'm not throwing out a hypothetical here. I know some of you guys are with us. Some of you guys are like, I'm so good at relationships. My wife loves me. I'm just not any good with money. I don't know how to make it or keep it. I'm really good at nutrition and health and exercise, but I'm really bad at knowing the Bible. I really know the Bible and I don't do sit-ups because I didn't find it in the concordance. There was no verses. So <laughs> we all have these areas where we're strong and we're weak. So humility says, I've gotta be honest about my areas of foolishness so that I can pursue wisdom to grow in those areas. Because otherwise what guys do, we tend to double down on the areas where we're good and we tend to neglect or ignore the areas where we're weak. And wisdom says, I, I wanna learn in the areas where I'm weak. Um, what happens with foolish people, and this will help you somewhat in parenting, they're unteachable and they deny reality. So if you go to a foolish person, you say, I wanna point this out to you. Number one, they're gonna make an excuse. There's two choices when there's a problem. You make an excuse or you make a plan. An excuse is, well, let me tell you why this is a problem. Okay, I understand that. But what's the plan to fix the problem, okay? Foolish people will give you lots of excuses. Wise people will give you some plans. That's the difference. In addition, sometimes foolish people, they'll deny reality. We do this all the time, marriage counseling, sit down with the husband and the wife. I always ask the husband first, and then I get the truth. That's how, that's how this works, okay? If you ever do counseling, ask the husband first, then get the truth. How are you guys doing? He's like, we're doing great. Look at her, how are we doing great? She's like, we're not doing great. So then the question is, let me ask you, are they doing great or not doing great? They're not doing great, right? And if she says they're not doing great, it doesn't matter what he says, they're not doing great. But foolish people sometimes will deny reality. I feel like I'm doing pretty good. No, you're not. I feel like I'm healthy. No, you're not. I feel like it'll be fine. It, it's not. So the quicker you can run to reality, the quicker you can move toward wisdom. 
What happens then with foolish people when there's a problem, they make excuses and then they blame shift and they'll blame you. Or they'll talk about how they feel, not about what they've done. I can't believe you said that. That was very hurtful. Also, all of a sudden now we're not talking about what you did. We're talking about how you feel. And that'll allow you not to deal with what you need to change. That will cause me to feel bad and apologize for saying anything, which means you never need to change, which is manipulation. And if you have a kid, write that down. This is what they do. In addition, when you're dealing with foolish people, they, um, they tend to be burden givers, not burden lifters. If you've got a, a friendship or a close family member that's foolish, they're always giving you burdens. They need money, I need time, I need help, I need you, I'm calling, it's, it's not scheduled, it's, I'm just sort of dumping on you, I'm, I'm taking from you. There are seasons in life when we're in crisis and the Bible says to carry one another's burdens. But in these circumstances, this is just how they do relationship. I need money, could you give me money? And I need a car, could you give me a car? And I need some help. My wife's driving me crazy, maybe meet with her. And my kid's really weird, could you fix it? And, and what they do, what foolish people do, they will be burden givers, not burden lifters. And what they'll do, they'll look for overly responsible people to dump their responsibilities on. True? How many of you have got that kid? You're raising that kid. Hey mom, could you, no. Hey dad, could you, no. Hey grandma, can you? I mean, they're just working through the org chart, trying to delegate everything that is ultimately their responsibility. And what foolish people do, they'll find overly responsible people who will pick up their responsibilities. And so let me say this as well. How many of you are single guys and you have a heart for ministry? Maybe not a calling into being a pastor, but you have a heart for ministry. Here's a life-changing secret. Don't marry your ministry. The big mistake that many guys do that are responsible and have a minister's heart or a ministry heart, they meet a gal who really needs to be saved or rescued or helped or fixed, and they make her their ministry. And if you marry your ministry, it results in misery. Okay, a little hip hop for you. Okay. <laughs> Not just a pretty face, I do hip hop, you know? <laughs> because what happens is when you're single, you think, you know what, I'm gonna rescue you. I'll put on the cape and tap the red S on my chest and I'll rescue you. But then if they are foolish and they're a ministry, if they don't mature and learn, then when you get married, what was sort of great being so needed when you're single becomes really burdensome when you're married and then becomes brokenness when you add children. Okay, And I see this all the time with guys who love the Lord and they're zealous about ministry. They end up marrying their ministry. Marry someone who can do ministry with you, not is ministry for you. Okay, okay. Married guys, would you agree with this? Okay, you'd agree with this. And, and what happens then as well, when it comes to people who are more uh, foolish, um, they are more life, taking than life-giving. But let me ask you this, especially with the guys that we have relationships with, sometimes are they really fun to hang out with foolish guys? Foolish, irresponsible guys? Are they actually kind of fun? I mean, not to live with, you don't want that at your house, but maybe a weekend trip to Vegas. Are they fun? Okay. Why are they fun? Why are totally irresponsible, foolish guys kind of fun to hang out with? They break the rules. They break the rules. <laughs> That's fun. 
they're unpredictable. You're like, why, why are his pants off? Why is he in the fountain at the Bellagio? Because <laughs> it's Tuesday and somebody dared him to do it for a dollar. He's the guy who will do anything for a dollar dare. Why else are these guys kind of fun and exciting and interesting? Yeah, a lot of drama. They don't care. You're totally irresponsible. You can blame everything on them. And when you're with them, no matter what you're doing, you look like you're a pretty good guy. <laughs> like, you know, you know, if you're with them, it's just like pretty good for me. You make me look better. And some of you guys are like, I don't have a friend like that. You're that guy. I'm just telling you how this works. You're that guy. We all have that guy. And the thing with the, this is like the class clown, okay? What happens is everybody knows them, but nobody respects them. And they think that they're a leader because they, they have a lot of attention, but they're not a leader because nobody will follow them, okay? And so sometimes we have foolish guys in our life because they're a little risky and dangerous and do crazy stuff and, and they're a little bit fun. But at the end of the day, um, a, a foolish person is not really fit for a good friendship because you really can't depend on them for anything. And ultimately, um, the Bible says, he who walks with the wise grows wise and a companion of fools suffers harm. The Bible says, if your friends are foolish, eventually it's going to hurt you. That's what it promises. And I want you to think in these categories about your relationships, who are the buddies, guys you hang out with. I want you to think in terms of your extended family, aunts, uncles, cousins, grandparents, all of that. I want you to think if you're married about your wife and her friends. And I want you to think about your kids and helping them choose good friendships and relationships. And as the leader of your home, how many of you right now that are husbands, fathers, grandfathers, there's friends that your wife has chosen that you're concerned about. There's friends that your kids have chosen, maybe even dating relationships, you're not feeling good about. And I'm telling you as family leader, this is where you need to lead and instruct. This is where you're really needed. And we're, we're coming into this season where there's all of these parties and events and holiday activities and family things and school things. And this is where wisdom is really required to navigate all the relational grand, uh, grenades that are sort of buried in the ground. As well with foolish people, they're mainly moved by pain. They don't change until it hurts so bad that they have to. So this is the guy who doesn't get a job until he's evicted. This is the guy that doesn't change the oil on his car until it stops running. This is the guy that doesn't apologize to his wife until she moves out, right? This is the guy who it has to hurt so bad. And so this is where we say, you know, letting somebody hit rock bottom, meaning they're just gonna need to deal with the consequences and it's gonna need to hurt enough that they wanna get some help, okay? So, Evil people, the ugly, they live by the power of the demonic. They need a professional relationship. Foolish people, they live by the power of the flesh. You need a pastoral relationship. You would treat them as a pastor would treat a congregant. I'm here to help you. I'm here to set boundaries. And what, what you need to do with these people is give assignments and consequences. Nope, I can't pay for that. I can't fix that. You're gonna have to figure that out. That's something you gotta figure out. And also when you meet with those people, you need to give them an assignment. So if this is your kid, like, dad, I need money. Okay, look, you're gonna first, you're gonna accept Dave Ramsey in your heart before I give you any money. Okay, that's what you're gonna do. You're, you're, gonna, you're gonna listen to Dave Ramsey and you're gonna get a neck tattoo that says, I love Dave Ramsey. You're gonna give your whole life to Dave Ramsey and you're gonna learn about budgeting and finances and then I will help you with your money. But until you do something, I'm not going to do something. You need to lead and I will follow. You follow with your behavior. And so sometimes this even means I'm gonna give you an assignment 
I'm not gonna meet with you again until you've done the assignment. How many of you have got a foolish buddy? He'll do something, call you in the middle of the night, wreck your day off, whatever the case is. And you say, okay, here's what you need to do. And then two weeks later, he calls you and it's another crisis. You're like, did I do what I told you to do? He says, no, well, I'm not, I'm, we're not talking until you've completed the assignment. So looking at Jesus' 12 disciples, who was the foolish one? Peter, that's why we all love Peter. If you read the Bible and you're like, Jesus reminds me of me, you read it wrong. Read it again. <laughs> Peter, that seems familiar, okay? Now, with Peter, he gets a clarifying conversation with Jesus. After he denies Jesus, Jesus is like, okay, here's the deal terms. These are the things that need to change. Here's some things that you need to do so that we can have a healthy relationship. And what happens with a foolish person, ultimately, if evil is down here and wisdom is up here and foolishness is in the middle, if you're foolish for an extended period, do you tend to go up toward wisdom or go down toward evil? It's like gravity. Many men who are evil, they started foolish. And they thought, well, I'll just be foolish. But the truth is, it's like gravity. And ultimately foolishness pulls you down toward evil. So you start with doing some foolish things. Next thing you know, you're doing some really evil things. So for those of us, and we all do in various ways, we all have some foolishness in our life. I just wanna turn the check engine light on and say, don't keep driving with the check engine light of foolishness on because eventually it seizes up into full-blown evil. Okay? How many of you have seen this in a buddy's life? All right, he started, Maybe he started recreational drinking and then recreational drug use, and then it became habitual and then it became addicted. And next thing you know, he's committing crimes and his wife and kids are leaving him. And all of it started with foolishness that eventually became self-destruction and evil. And then the last one, wise people. These are the guys you wanna look out for. These are the guys you wanna pursue. Romans 1, 8, and then 11, 12, and 14. I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is being proclaimed in all the world. For I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you that we may be mutually encouraged by one another's faith. I wanna to return to that, both yours and mine. I'm under obligation to both the Greeks and the barbarians, both to the, what and the what? Wise and the foolish. You minister to all that you're friends with the wise. Okay. You minister to all, but your friends are the wise. And the key, what he says here is that we may be mutually encouraged. When you're dealing with an evil person, they take, you give. When you're dealing with a foolish person, they take, you give. When you're dealing with a wise person, they give, you give, they take, you take. It's a reciprocity. And when he's talking about mutual encouragement, if you have a relationship that is one way, that is a ministry that is not a friendship. That might be a parenting relationship, but it's not a friendship. A true friendship is mutually encouraged. I help you, you help me. I pour into you, you pour into me. I can count on you, you can count on me in a healthy, non-codependent means of relationship. Um, wise people, um, are wise people the most intelligent or are they simply more humble? Humble. Uh, the Bible says, you rebuke a fool and he will hate you. You rebuke a wise man and he will thank you or love you. Sometimes you don't know if somebody's wise or foolish until you point something out and correct them. You think it's fine. You're like, I wanna talk to you about this. They're like, you know what? I'm really offended. That's none of your freaking business. If you see the guy escalate, you're like, okay, I just found a fool. 
If he's like, hey, thank you. I really wanna learn, I really wanna grow. You found a wise man. Sometimes you don't know if somebody's wise or foolish until you have a little bit of conflict, okay? And if they're like, hey man, I'm sorry, I wanna learn, I wanna do better. I know you care about me, so I'm here to listen. Tell me what I need to hear, wise. Declare war, fight back, foolish. They're self-motivated to mature, they embrace reality. Um, they have empathy and compassion for others. An evil person intentionally hurts people. A foolish person unintentionally hurts people. A wise person is trying to help people, is not trying to hurt people. They're actually more considerate and empathetic. They're thinking of others, not just themselves. In addition, they're more responsible. They follow through on tasks. They'll own their failures, repent and apologize. All this is on the notes at real, realfaith.com under real men. And, uh, and so what do you give an, how much, do, what do you give an evil person? Nothing. What do you give a foolish person? Consequences, boundaries, assignments. What do you give a wise person? More, more time, more money, more effort, more wisdom. They're just a quite frankly, better return on investment. So you give this person a little, hoping that they progress. You give this person nothing because they'll use it to hurt you. You give this person more because they're gonna be a blessing and they're gonna glorify God. And as you look at your time and your energy and your money, it's investing it in the places where wise people can be raised up because ultimately the more that people are pursuing wisdom, there's more people to help those who are foolish and to help those who are evil, okay? And so our world has plenty of foolish people, more than enough evil people, really needs more wise people. That being said, wise people live by the power of the Holy Spirit and with them, you can have a personal relationship. They can be your friends. They could be your date night couple friend. And I would say this in marriage for Grace and I, she doesn't have any close friends that I don't agree to. And I don't have any close friends that she doesn't agree to. If she's like, Mark, I don't trust that guy. I don't want you to talk to him. I don't feel good about that. Then it's, then it's not a close friend. She has a line item veto in my close relationships. And with her, if I'm like, babe, I don't trust that gal. If you get advice from her, I, I think you're gonna hear the devil's voice. You know, I just don't, I don't think that that gal has any wisdom. I have a line item veto in her life. How many of you right now who are married, the conflict is always, you don't agree on the close relationships that you're bringing into the marriage. This is really crucial to agree on this and to pray and to agree, and then to agree on couple friends. And when you get married, this is one of the hardest parts of relationships because sometimes the wife is like, she's so great, let's go out on a double date. And you meet the guy and you're like, oh, oh gosh. Oh gosh, I hate this guy. And I'm pretty sure he hates me. Or you meet a guy and you really like him and then you go out on a double date and his wife is nuttier than a Snickers bar. And you're like, you know what? I, your wife is like, I can't do this, man. This is, she's crazy, you know? And I'm not, you know, speaking bad about those people we went out with on Tuesday, but I'm just testifying. So, <laughs> so what happens then with people who are wise, they are, um, I'll give you a quick story. Um, I've said this before, but I'll repeat it. When men come into something like this, they usually have something that I will call the mentor myth. The mentor myth is I just need to find the guy to mentor me so I could be wise. Every man has areas of his life where he is growing and he's fighting foolishness. 
There is no man who's ever walked the earth other than Jesus who was wise in every area. But it even says in Luke 2 that Jesus grew in wisdom, stature, and favor with men and God. So even through his developmental years in his humanity, Jesus grew in wisdom. All men are growing in wisdom. That being said, the mentor myth is that one guy can give you wisdom in every area. He can't. So I, I like to use the language of a bullpen. I'm a baseball guy. And that is, here's my finance guy. Here's my marriage guy. Here's my health guy. Here's my real estate guy. Here's my legal guy. Here's my political guy. Here's my Bible guy. Here's my bullpen. And I'm not gonna bug them all the time. And I'm not going to expect them to be like Costco where I get everything in one place. When I have a financial question, I'll call that guy. When I have a marriage question, I'll call that guy. And I'm going to take notes and I'm going to listen and I'm going to ask them to help me figure out what God's will is. And so you guys need to know that's why we're here. In this room, there are guys that have wisdom in various differing areas. And some of you are gonna have areas, you're like, I really need to get some wisdom here. That guy is somewhere in the room, but not one guy is going to be able to provide all of those wise counsel insights that you need, okay? Now close with this little diagram and then we'll go to table talk. Six kinds of relationships, so three kinds of people. A wise person with a foolish person is a parental relationship. You're immature, I'm mature, I'm in charge, you're under my authority. If this is your marriage, it's a very lonely marriage because one of you feels like the parent, the other feels like the child, okay? Wise plus evil, distant. The wise person is like, you cannot come to my house. You cannot be a part of my business. You cannot come, you know, no. There is a boundary and you're not crossing it. And I'm going to maintain the boundary. A foolish person, a foolish person, that's dumb and dumber. Uh, that's a codependent relationship, okay? We drink together, we get in trouble together, we do crazy stuff together. A foolish person with an evil person, that's an abusive relationship because the evil person takes advantage of the foolish person. The foolish person is a little naive. How many of you have seen a foolish girl with an evil guy? Yeah, he yells at me, but it's because I make him mad. No, it's because he's evil. Well, he hits me, but he hits me because I make him mad. If I don't make him mad, then he won't hit me. So it's my fault that he hit me. No, 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 no. He's evil, you're being foolish. That's an abusive relationship. That's an abusive relationship. Um, two evil people, that's a dangerous relationship. That's like two barrels on a gun, that's Bonnie and Clyde. You meet a husband and wife like that, get away. You go into business with two dudes like that, get out of business. They're, they're an unholy alliance. And if you come against them, boy, they, they are a force to be reckoned with. This is like Janice and John Brace and Sam, Sambalot and Tobias, Hymenaeus and Alexander. The Bible often names two guys together who are really a problem. They're two evil people who align. And then the wise and the wise is a healthy relationship. This is where you could, you could trust, you could pray, you can invest. Um, you can let them know things about your life and they're not gonna use it against you. If you give information to an evil person, they're gonna use it to hurt you. If you give information to a foolish person, they're gonna use it to manipulate or guilt you. If you give information to a wise person, they're gonna hold it like a bank vault and they're gonna use it to coach you and to bless you and to help you to grow in wisdom. And so what I want you guys to know is you have the freedom to choose who you're in relationship with. I want you to know that your wives have the right to choose who they're in relationship with. I'm telling you that I want your kids to make wise decisions because bad company corrupts good character, the Bible says, and the friends that we choose, they determine a lot of our destiny. 
always like to say, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. So I wanna honor all of you men for being here because the fact that you are here is saying, I want to be growing in wisdom. I wanna learn, I wanna meet some guys, I wanna get some wise counsel, I wanna run stuff by guys, I wanna pray with guys, I wanna pursue wisdom. And I don't, I don't wanna discourage you in any way, I wanna encourage you in every way. The step you've made to join us is a massive step that God wants to honor and bless, amen? And so don't be embarrassed about where you're at. Even if you're in a bad place, be encouraged where you're going because every guy here is somewhere along that journey. And those of us who have been on this journey with Jesus for a while, we would tell you, we all start in a bad place. And if we walk together with Jesus, it gets better. And that's why we're here. We're here to walk with you because we love you and we care for you. And so we'll do table talk in a minute, discussion questions, couple things. Uh, what step can you take to grow in wisdom? You know, if it's evil or foolishness, what is the next step in the direction of wisdom? Who are wise people you can learn from? Who's the people that are in your life in front of you that you're like, I could ask them questions, they could help. Who are the foolish people you need to set boundaries with? You're like, I just can't do that anymore. I gotta reset that, have a clarifying conversation. And then who are the evil people you need to protect yourself and your family from? That's the closure conversation. And does this include friends of your kids or friends of your wife or extended family that really is getting into your life in a way that is not healthy or good? Uh, and then we'll spend time around tables praying for each other. If you've never prayed, you're certainly welcome to start. You don't have to, there's no pressure, uh, but we like to pray for each other. And we wanna be the place that if you need prayer, it's guaranteed every week, somebody's gonna pray for you, amen? Father God, thank you that we have a relationship with you through the Lord Jesus Christ and by the power of the Holy Spirit. And God, thank you that you are wise. God, we thank you, we don't worship an evil God. Some religions, they worship an evil God. God, thank you that we don't worship a foolish God. You don't give us bad advice and lead us into temptation and trouble and trial and terror. God, we just say you're, you're, you're an incredibly good loving father. Thank you that our father is a wise father. Thank you that our father is a patient father. Thank you that our father is a present father. Thank you that our father is a relational father and a helpful father. And Lord, as your sons, we just ask, would you help us continually grow in wisdom by the power of the Holy Spirit, the spirit of wisdom. And God, there are men in this room that have wisdom, some of them through pain and experience and life. And God, they're ready to share it. And it's just, it's like gold in the sluice box. Uh, we just wanna make the most of it. We wanna mine all we can and collect it as quickly as we possibly can. And so Lord, I thank you for the honor it is to meet with these men and to see these men. But God, as we head into the holidays, help us to really grow in our relationships, starting with our relationship with you, if we're married with our spouse, with our kids, if we happen to be parents, with our grandkids, if we happen to be grandparents. And Lord, thank you for the honor it is to see the men in Jesus' good name, amen.